Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary BGW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details good evening welcome to the episode of the black Tuesday podcast so much fuckery so much nonsense to break it all down, we have the editor of Toast of Cheese, the managing editor. You know where you love Stephanie Lynn. Good evening. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, now, yes, that, that that's a whole other conversation that we will be having. But let's talk about Ashley Babbitt. For those who don't know, Ashley Babbitt was the one who the Capitol Police gave the little John treatment to, you know, she climbed through the window and her brain went through the wall after being shot by trying to climb through said window. She is now being immortalized on a Sears and JCPenney t-shirt as an American patriot. They're literally, I know that Sears is still around. Like, is there still Kenmore money in the streets? <laughs> um, my husband said something about, uh, we were talking about our credit cards and what we have open and what we don't and stuff. He says um, that he, Needs, like he'll buy like a mower blade once a year on the Sears credit card. And I'm like, you can buy stuff from Sears? He's like, yeah, you just ordered it online. So I learned that Sears was still around this weekend, but I didn't know Kmart was still around. So that's the big news story here is that you can still buy stuff from Kmart and Sears. They're really having blue light specialists supporting someone who committed treatment. Mm-hmm. And I used to work the, at Kmart. So. And the description was, you know, Four tour, you know, American hero and all this stuff. I'm like, she pissed it all the way when she decided to drive to D.C. and invade the U.S. Capitol. Mm-hmm. And you would think that Sears and Kmart, whatever incarnation that is, would not be this fucking stupid. I think what happens is people are like third-party sellers and they go through Walmart and Kmart and Sears and Amazon and places like that. And I don't think that they pay very close attention to what third-party sellers are selling. And that's completely on these businesses that have their name in the URL. If you, know, you want the cash from it, but you don't want the responsibility for what people are selling under your name. And I'm sure that we'll see people put these shirts on. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll see people 
who are us mocking them for it. <laughs> Normally, you don't mock somebody, but I mean, for their service, and we're not mocking the service, we're mocking the, the just out of hand reaction to everything, and it's just, it stuns me. Now, what also stuns me is, like the land management political herpes that he is, Cliven Bundy returned again. Because out west there's so much issue with like climate change and lack of housing, he has managed to stick his weasley head out of his rabbit hole. Why is this guy not in jail? I, every time I see his name, I ask myself the exact same thing. All these Bundys need to be in jail, and I don't know why they aren't. Um, you know, they can't be that good old boy. And I thought they were in Oregon, and now here they are rearing their heads in Idaho. Um, and what they want is to take land that belongs to the people, you know, federal land, and use it for their own private purposes and make money off of it. And they think that that's very American. It's, it's insane. But, you know, that I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff that comes out of the right. You know, it's, it's the entire you know, source material for this show. And of all of it, this one kind of scares me the most because it's kind of flying under the radar. It's not on anybody's, um, you know, big screen unless you're really paying attention to it and stuff like that. And a lot of people don't even know that Ammon Bundy's still out there doing stuff. They don't know about his thing about trying to take away federal land. They don't know he's running for governor of a geographically large state. And Idaho's a growing state in terms of population. Um, and this kind of stuff, who knows how much it's going on. And these are guys who have half a brain in their heads and a lot of guns. And they're getting followers and followers and followers, and they could make a really efficient cult that could really hurt a lot of people. And it gives me much more pause than the people who are you know, yelling about the curriculum they don't like at an elementary school. You know, that's kind of, you know, it's distracting. It's the sideshow as you're going into the main tent, and then you have something like this going on. <coughs> it's just... Uh, the Bundys need to, to stop and go away, and they need to be investigated. I, I can't imagine that they were investigated and found that there was nothing they could do about these guys. It's unsettling, like you mentioned, that a lot of these states out there have just kind of let this man do whatever and folks of his ilk. And at what point do these states who are part of the United States stand up to these people? Like, mm-hmm. they're going to wear things that would have gotten you or I, you or myself shot, dead. It bears watching. And I, like you said, it's, I don't say the word scary too often, but it's kind of scary to, to sit there and think about. Um, another thing, when we come back from break, we have so much more to get into. You are listening to the Black Tuesday podcast on the FEC. Radio Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back with the Black Sister Podcast. Terrence Biggs, Stephanie Lenz. Stephanie, five years ago, Gretchen Carlson filed a sexual harassment lawsuit versus Roger Ailes. And in that time, we watched Fox News kind of implode still. Mm-hmm. But what alarmed me, alarmed me most is how her colleagues just minimized it and just kind of kicked her out the door. Like, not just, I mean, she left. She was going to leave Fox. But on a personal level, it just seemed like they all abandoned her. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised that there was that lack of solidarity? Um. Not really. Um, you know, I, I know women of this type, and they don't stick together, and they don't stand by other women. And um, and I don't just mean Gretchen Carlson. I mean, like, the other women at Fox News. Um, just, you know, no one wanted to – she can't have been the only person who was harassed there. And if she had more of a kind of coalition, I think people would have taken it seriously. People would remember it more. I mean, honestly, I'd forgotten that that was what had kind of set some things in motion over at Fox and how things changed up and stuff. And i got to give that to her. Um, I'm not a personal fan of hers. and <laughs> She's not a personal fan of mine either. But um, uh, just, you know, I, I wish that more of these kind of stuck with us and kind of built on each other instead of, you know, like make a wall instead of being just one long string of little rocks of Me Too. Um, they're kind of not building on each other and kind of not making as much of the movement as it needs to be, and people still mock it. Um, and, you know, this is a really serious thing. Women can't even go into their workplace. I can't even tell you how many workplaces I had been in that I got some kind of harassment from somebody, and 
you know, women see it and they don't kind of want to stick with you when you want to report it. Um, at least that's the way it used to be. Hopefully now, you know, we, we can stick together a little bit more and support each other more, but um, it really doesn't surprise me that it didn't gain traction on the level that it should have. Um, and I also have to say I did not see Bomb Michelle, so I wasn't interested in <laughs> in seeing no. it, but um, the makeup interested me, but other than that, the content really didn't um, interest me. I didn't need to see someone who, you know, was aligning herself with Fox News and then found out it was a terrible place to work was surprised. You know, I mean, this they they kind of have built their base on, you know, things that demean women and denigrate women and especially working women. And you can't be surprised when that comes back that they're not going to kind of support you on that in that climate. So, you know, you you kind of, I'm not saying she asked to be sexually harassed at all, but she can't have been surprised that she didn't get the bolstering that she expected from her colleagues. For me, I watch, and I remember Gretchen Carlson, I can separate what happened to her, and it's awful, and it should not be repeated, from what I watch. I watch, there's a clip of, I have a final YouTube, I tweeted that last but Ryan Kilby, you know, resident just clown, mm-hmm. said to her, and I, this is me paraphrasing, oh, you know, you're one of the pure ones because you're Swedish and, you know, you, you know, you're a pure, and he was trying to insinuate that because of her Nordic heritage that she was somehow more pure than everyone else. And it was just weird. And she just sat there and just, she didn't call him out. And um, I saw her um, finding your roots with Dr. Gates, and she was uh, surprised to find out she was more Norwegian than Swedish. And it's like, really? That's that's your big takeaway from this? So, yeah, she was kind of leaning onto that and leaning into it. So, you know, and, and if that makes her, quote, pure, you know, good for her. <laughs> like, all of us are a little bit Nordic at some point. Well, not all of us. But for me, it's strange to see people really go to work for Fox who Mm -hmm. know what they are. And I'm surprised at people in media who will sit there and say, well, my colleague in that Fox, even though we have different uh, views on politics, no, there's no political view of, you know, human rights isn't a political view. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you take a, a check from Fox that doesn't absolve you from criticism, but people want it to. Mm-hmm. Now, with that, it is still wild to me that you're a, a Florida native. I'm sure you've been in Miami a few times to flip off the university and kind of, you know, cast aspersions upon our glory Esteban. But the deteriorating condition of some of these towers in Florida, why? I mean, as a non-native, as a non-native, I am kind of worried. Like it's worrisome that the you know building inspectors have let let some of these places just fall into this disrepair. And do you think another tragedy, not so much as imminent, but because some of these buildings were built along the same timeline, that this will be happening more frequently? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I think I even said on the show once about how the building. Um, 
that has happened in Florida over the last 20 years scares me because Florida doesn't have that kind of a geological foundation. It's limestone. It's, you know, stuff like that. It makes sinkholes. You know, buildings, houses fall into the earth out of nowhere, and that's just from natural phenomenon. That's not even taking into account the way that the buildings are created. And, um, you know, the the piece in, uh, I think it's in The Times, um, talking about uh, how they have high regulations. Well, yeah, they've got high regulations now. They had to make them hurricane-proof and all this other stuff. But we're talking about buildings back in the 70s. I remember when they opened the new Capitol building, which is 22 stories tall, and it's a brutalist um, architecture. It's a great big skyscraper. And, you know, that was in the late 70s. I don't know that they had those hurricane um, provisions in place then. I don't think that they were uh, around until maybe after Opal or Andrew or one of those. But, um, you know, the, the building in Florida, it, Florida wasn't meant to take more than a two-story building. And I see a lot of buildings. I mean, it used to be like a novelty to find a three-story or higher building in Florida. Um, there was a hotel in the one place I lived. Um, it was a Dixie Wales-built hotel, and it was an old 1920s hotel. And you kind of could go up there and look around and, you know, see um, all around and see the orange groves and stuff, or the Citrus Tower. Um, which is kind of where the village is, is now. And those were novelties. And now they have giant hotels and condos and stuff like that built on land that was not supposed to hold that much stuff. And people and giant shopping centers and all this kind of stuff is on top of what I think is kind of geologically unstable. And like I said, that doesn't even take into account how the buildings were built. And you know that there's corner cutting and you know that there's, well, let's look the other way about um, things that are wrong with these buildings. There's a really good article, I think I might have read it in the Times too, about um, the HOA and how they were in, in this turmoil about the building. They were told years ago, we've got to invest money in repairing the structure of this building, and they said no, they didn't want to put money into it, the residents said they couldn't afford to put any more money in because it was basically a second mortgage for everybody who was there. Anywhere from sixty to $200,000, every resident had to chip in to get the building fixed. And so what they did instead is they fixed common areas like public restrooms, but they didn't fix the structure under the parking garage. And it's, there's so much going on and so many spoons in the pot that how do you begin to regulate? How do you begin to check it? And just the buildings in Dade County alone are going to be, you know, years. And who checks it? And how do they check it? And what are the consequences for buildings that aren't up to code? There's, it's such a mess. And then you have somebody like DeSantis who's running it all. That's I, the part I just can't. Because you have, like you said, Dade County, you know, uh, the Miami area where mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's at sea level or close to it. Mm-hmm. And the, I've always, when I've been in Miami, like you said, I'm always amazed, like, wow, those are really tall, empty skyscrapers because they were bought in the 80s with pretty much drug money and people who bought them may not be around any longer. Mm-hmm. And it astounds me that 
there's such a rush to keep building taller and taller in an area where you know hurricane season is what, uh, April through November? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, you got to be careful. Like, got to be absolutely careful. Now, today, by the time people read this, will be a day after the six-month anniversary of the Capitol siege insurrection riot, and people are worried that a lot of the combat, or a lot of the perpetrators aren't seeing punishment. I think that what is keeping, what keep happening, what keeps happening is that there's been a slow uptick in the number of people arrested in one lady got probation that pissed a whole lot of people off, but some of these people have, they're going to see either jail time or their lives are going to be severely compromised. Are you happy with the amount of punishment has been meted out so far? I don't know if happy is the word. Um, pleased, I would say, maybe. Um, it's just that, you know, with, with my own experiences and stuff like that, everything takes a lot of time. Um, it's just a, a matter of how busy the courts are, how busy prosecutors are, uh, how they prioritize things, how much information they have, and the wheels of justice do turn slowly, but they turn. And I think if we can be patient about this, they're going to, you know, give some of those little fish some, you know, smaller sentences, lighter fines, things like that, because they're not really after you know, John Q. Walrus Titty, who went to the insurrection. They're after Donald Trump, who got it going. They're after, um, what's his name, from Alabama, who gave a speech and now said he can't be sued because he's a government employee. You know, those are the, thank you, I couldn't think of his last name. Um, those are the people that they want to get. Those are the people that they want to hold to account for this stuff. Um, so if it means that, you know, the guy goes into jail for six months or he has to pay a thousand dollar fine or whatever it is i'm not pleased with it but i don't know what the end game is so i'm willing to let the professionals do what they do and see what happens how about you i want uh, in the top i am like you said it's not much being happy about being pleased Mm -hmm. the justice is a squeaky world sometimes especially you have so many cases i just want a constant stream of knowing that some people will have criminal records for the rest of their lives and there's no mm-hmm. amount of pardons or clemency that they can ever receive for it. You created a federal you committed a federal crime. You need to either serve federal time or make sure that having the rest of your life affected. Now if we turn the page and go to New York, apparently Governor Cuomo has enacted a state of emergency regarding gun violence. Now with Cuomo I was once, I was initially happy how he handled the COVID pandemic, but then I saw how little things became big things as far as like the accusation of sex harassment and just little mismanagement. He, you know, shouldn't even still be in office, but here he is. Do you think that his intentions with this state of emergency are pure, or do you think his intentions are to kind of soothe the base? Um, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, if this had come right after a major event, then I, I would kind of make that connection a little easier where, oh, something had happened, you know, like you know, 10 people in this place, 
were were shot by somebody and you know something like that like if it was a day or two after something like that I would be like oh that's why he's doing this now but I'm not kind of picking up why today um why now but you know on paper it seems like a good idea and he's not wrong um you know gun violence is an epidemic in this country not just in New York but everywhere um I if other governors follow suit, I'll be less suspicious. But, you know, when when he does anything now, I'm always going to think back, like, well, what's he tr- what's coming up the pike that he's trying to get ahead of or what's he trying to cover up? And it's that thing of, you know, once the mirror is broken, you can fix it, but it's always going to have cracks in it. And, you know, the picture's never going to be the same kind of thing. So I'm never going to be able to kind of trust his motives going forward. But, you know, it's, it's not a bad idea, and I'm curious to see where it goes, and I would really like to see a couple other governors join in on this. I was hoping that, like I said, there's, you know, Malloy in Connecticut, there's, there's a Governor Baker in Massachusetts. I want to see this be a national effort, and I want to see, but like you said, there's some Cuomo just, I have a trust issue with him. I don't trust him. There's something that just doesn't do right. But I'm hoping there's a actual care about the constituents and want to make sure that gun violence is lessened greatly. Now, I guess on a weird note, so high school students from Boston were forced to sleep in a an airport terminal because they refused to wear masks. This is what we're doing with this generation now. It's a wild story. Um, a guy tweeted it. Um, I don't. Know, I think he's maybe a reporter. I'm not sure. Um, and he said that this group was going from Charlotte to the Bahamas. Um, they're high school seniors, and they wouldn't wear their masks. And then David Begnaud, who's a really good, um, he's the lead national correspondent at CBS. Uh, he did great coverage for the Puerto Rico hurricane. If if anybody wants to get caught up on his work, that's where you start. Um, but he came in, and he's like, um, here's how the story ended. The teens couldn't follow the rules. They had to sleep in the terminal overnight because they weren't old enough to get vouchers, and everyone else got a voucher for the hotel. Like, what I found interesting is you're telling part of the story, and this national reporter is going to come into your small story and tell you, oh, by the way, here's the entire thing, is that all they had to do was follow the rules, and they could have gone to the Bahamas. Instead, they slept in an airport. It's, you know, it's the fuck around and find out. See, they fucked around and they found out. See, and they learned a lesson. They had to, you know, mm-hmm. how they got, you know, they have a story that, you know, they spent a day that they should have been on the beach somewhere on a cold floor. Yeah. Eating at Baja Fresh. <laughs> Legal seafood probably wasn't even open at that time of night. Exactly. They probably had to go through, like, Mrs. Field Cookies or, like, the airport the little big face of those magazines and those super tight shirts that really aren't A2X, really more like a medium. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just saying, like, side note, I can't stand the way going to a resort town and going looking for teachers. Oh, this is my size. No, good and damn well, that 2X is like a small or a child's medium. And you put that son of a bitch on, you're like, oh, really? This is how I, I look like 
I look like chocolate that's stuffed in a mayonnaise jar with his white shirt on. Nope. <laughs> Just a big old bag of milk. Uh-huh. And you can always tell airport T-shirts come from airports. Yes. You think you can't, but then you get it home and you know. Because it's super small. They like shrink one time. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> we're really going to talk about the most lopsided fight since hammer versus nail, knife versus butter. Uh, Dan Coyle versus over So the DC and Marvel, their fans, their collective fan bases are fighting. And you have the Marvel, or you have the DC collective saying that Marvel is relying too much on gate receipts and box office to prove that they're superior. How sad does it have to be to be a DC fan? Like, you watch their movies suck for the better part of forever, and they're just not getting it right. And they really are testing Marvel, where Marvel, not The Last X-Men, or Dark Phoenix, or Elektra, those are three movies that are like 30 some odd movies that they failed on. How much nerve do you have to be a DC fan to try to test a Marvel fan? <laughs> I need you to repeat. How much what? Nerve. It is nerve. Am I wrong? I am not picking up anything you're putting down. Um, I think what you're asking is is the DC versus Marvel thing. Yeah. And I, I can say this, and I, and I know that your position is DC can't put out a good movie to save their lives. Right. And, and they're not reading their fans, whereas Marvel is not just reading their fans, they're reading the general public. And right. why can't DC at least read their fans? That, I think that's your position with the DC thing. Correct. And I'm curious to know, did you see the Shazam movie? And if so, what did you think of it? You know, we talked about this, what, a couple of months ago? And damn it, I saw it. Yes, and damn it, I saw it. And at first I was, like, dreading it. I was like, that sucks. I saw the commercial. I'm like, really? The dude from Chuck is now Shazam? Really? That's how I'm doing things? And I got to admit, it wasn't terrible. I quite like the Shazam movie. It wasn't bad. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Because it was personal and it was funny and it was realistic. It was Visually, you could see what was going on. It still had comic book visual elements, but it also had some real-world elements. And I thought they did a really good job of getting a comic book movie done right. And I also quite liked um, Emancipation of Harley Quinn. I thought that was a a really good script, really well done, stylish. Um, I haven't watched the HBO show about Harley Quinn yet. I'm kind of saving it, and um, this week actually might be the week. I, I think I'm going to tune into that. But it's sad that I'm kind of struggling to come up with um, DC movies that worked. I thought the first Wonder Woman mm-hmm. movie was good. But i got to say, when they cast her, I, I, was just, I couldn't see it. She, she didn't seem physically substantial enough. 
for the Wonder Woman that I had in my mind, I was thinking someone with more of a build like like a Serena Williams, you know, that kind of more muscular and athletic kind of build. But the actor did a really great job of pulling off the empathy and the conflict within Diana. So um, I, I'm converted to, to her wholly. I'm I'm fine with that. But um, you know, it's it's sad when you know, like you're a Batman fan and you see the Batman coming down the pike and you're like, oh. Instead of getting excited, like you just are like, oh, what are they going to do? How are they going to mess this up? How is this going to be awful? And, and at the same time, we already made plans to buy uh, Black Widow this weekend. We're just going in knowing what we're probably going to get, dropping down 20 bucks, and we're going to buy it. And it's like, you know, if you've got a franchise or you're putting out movies where people are going to go in, you know, before reviews are out or before they really know what's going on with it, and they know they're going to put their money down, then you're doing something right economically, and you're probably doing something right artistically. Um, but if, like, they were releasing the Batman straight into homes, I don't know that I'd be eager to plunk down 20 bucks without reading a few reviews first. And, and I don't know how DC can fix it, except to talk to the people that made Shazam and Emancipation of Harley Quinn and Wonder Woman and be like, what did you do that worked? I grew up a DC fan because what well, was mm-hmm. up to me, the Super Friends, Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. I've read DC comics. Mm-hmm. They have a reservoir of great stories to tell. Mm-hmm. Like they have hundreds of great stories to tell. Somewhere they have to get from the comic to the screen because they have a story. They just need they need a voice. They they need an identity. They don't have one, and that's that's the part I'm hard on DC because I know those stories and I know how good those stories can be and how they have failed to be able to articulate them. Theoretically, DC and Marvel should be neck and neck as far as movies if DC did it right. Like you said, they they had spurs. I like Wonder Woman. I like Harley Quinn. I like the the Michael Keaton Batman. Things like that. Mm-hmm. They need they need to one start remaking Superman. It's just stop making Superman a thing. Two, why not develop some of the other characters, like some of the lesser knowns? Like no one really knew that. Would be a good example. Hmm. Like a standalone movie would be like the Guardians of the Galaxy. No one really knew, non-hardcore fans knew who that whole group was. Mm-hmm. But yet, wildly successful. You know, it gave, like, Black Panther. He was a character, but they, they crafted a story around him, and they made it something. They gave Spider-Man this last incarnation, the Peter Parker one. They made him a kid. Instead of like a college student, he he was like a high school kid. And it showed something like if DC wants to do this right, go read all the back comics. So there are hundreds of quality stories. Like the Flash himself has such a library of great adventures that would make phenomenal movies, but they have to fix it. Speaking of people who can't fix it, we need to talk about Iggy Azalea. 
I mean, how do we go from blonde Australian to the lost backup dance for Lil' Kim? She keeps defending it. She has doubled and tripled down on what I'm going to generously call, I, I, I think it's blackface. Yeah. Her makeup artist insists that it is, you know, whatever makeup, it, this is the number shade it is. I've always used that shade on her. Okay, well, if that's the shade that you've been putting on her, then someone has drastically changed the lighting, her hair, her makeup, her contouring, her styling of her clothing and everything to try and make her look like either a black woman or like one of the Cardassians. That's yes. kind of where her skin tone is falling in this. And she's also surrounded herself in this video from the photos I've seen with people with much darker skin tones than she has. And there's... And some people are saying, oh, it's not blackface. It's just cultural appropriation. What is blackface if not cultural appropriation used to harm and demean? It's, and, and she just keeps coming back to, oh, well, you know, that's, you know that's not what I was doing. I've always worn this makeup and, you know, basically hose mad. And it's like <laughs> she's going to continue to defend her terrible choices, and I can continue not listening to her music. Um, that my daughter says that. <laughs> and that's where I got that from. She goes, but, mad? Hose mad. Hose mad. But she had blonde hair and looked mm-hmm. nowhere near this when the song, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, Fancy was a thing. <laughs> she was more Nordic looking than Gretchen Carlson. And that is what we call a callback. I mean, it's interesting because there are people who are watching her, who are watching her response, who are trying to see if they can put their toe in that dose of water. Mm-hmm. And no, you can't. It's as a black person, I always found it weird that. We've been denied rights. We've been treated like second-class citizens upon our arrival here. But why do so many people want to emulate the style and the culture? That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. With this bad, historically disregarded, erased, you have people who want to dread the hair, lock the hair, or look darker. That makes no sense. You're from Florida. What is the worst pain or the worst attempt at cultural appropriation you've seen? The, what's the first attempt of cultural appropriation I remember? The worst. Oh, the worst. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I think cultural appropriation, Gwen Stefani springs to mind with her, um, I can't remember, the like the girls that would follow her around and she was uh, appropriating Japanese culture. That's a big oh. one. Um, Madonna did a lot of uh, where she was pulling in black culture for her own benefit. Um, there, there's just, there's so many. I'm kind of, kind of reeling at them. I mean, I'm a lot further removed from this than you are. What are some of the ones that have like smacked you in the head, but then you've seen them? Scarface. Mm-hmm. 
Like, how do you base a movie in Miami with not too many Latino actors, where mm-hmm. pretty much every main character is either Jewish or Italian? Yeah. And it's stunning. Like, Tony Montana is supposed to be a Cuban refugee. It is an accent that mirrors Nicolas Cage and Con Air Bad. That 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 thing standing up for everybody because there's such a tie that movie people are saying how it's a classic. It's kinda not. It's kinda not a good movie. Let's just call it what it is. It's yeah. I I was just thinking I can tell you um when I was little, um the stuff you'd see at Florida State football games would, would turn you great today. Um I don't know if it's still like that, but people would do like face paint, wear feather headdresses. Um, stuff like that, and, pe- and there would be people outside protesting, Native American people protesting. And I think um, the university has gone to lengths to ease that. Um, Florida State actually has special um, contracts and things with the Seminole Nation um, where they can use uh, the name Seminole uh, to represent the university. They, in return, they offer scholarships to students from the Seminole Nation, and you know, there's certain back-and-forth things about it, but everything that is done now has to go through the tribe for approval. Any designs, any use of any kind of imagery, like just a simple F and S on the baseball uniform, it has to go through to make sure that there's no cultural appropriation there, or at least you know, if there's something there that the tribe gets to say, no, we don't like that, or yes, it should be this. Um, there are certain um, designs and things, especially I've seen in coaches' shirts. They're um, kind of a, uh, like a geometric pattern that shows up all the time in Florida State merchandise, and I believe that it, it either comes from the tribe or it's so far removed from what the tribe does that they're like, yeah, go ahead, put that on the shirt. We get a piece of that merchandise. Um, you know, so if people want to think it's us, they can think it's us. I don't, I'm not sure how it works, but absolutely. I've got a pennant from 1979 somewhere in this house that has, um, I think he was called the Little Chief Mascot. Oh, my God. I, I can't hang it in my house, but it's here because, you know, someday I'm going to show it to my kids and be like, look, this is what used to be. We we bought this at a football game and waved it in the air. So um, that's one that I remember from early on. And it seemed normal to me because I was kind of in it. And then once I was out of it and I could look back and I was like, oh, that's, that was not cool. That shouldn't have been done. You know, it's not as bad as, like, watching Peter Pan. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's definitely there and it was completely considered normal. And i got to say, I don't remember black folks doing that in the stadium, but I remember a lot of white folks doing that. I remember Florida State had someone named... Chief Fullable. Mm-hmm. But to the credit, I will say this, ACC rivals side because, well, you know that North Carolina is the premier school in that conference, saying, but in all seriousness, I applaud the fact that the administration reached out to the Seminole Nation mm-hmm. and has tried to make them that. That's huge. That's, that shows care. Mm-hmm. And I respect that more than a lot because you still see the Kansas City Chiefs, the Atlanta Braves, mm-hmm. uh, William and Mary, 
the Central Michigan Chippewas mm-hmm. that still use Native American imagery, and I'm not sure if they have reached out to local tribes to kind of come to a, a sit-down and say, hey, you know, we need to cut you in on this money because there's a lot of money to be made. Yeah. You know, one of our last stories is a happy note. Okay. Um, so today marks the, I can't believe this, but 20th anniversary of Nikki Six's sobriety. He has been sober for 20 years. Slash has been sober for 15 years today. They're still around. And I honestly, as a fan of both bands, they didn't think that they would be around at this point. <laughs> do you think it's the lack of touring because they don't tour as much? Or do you think that, you know, they both realize that they got to see what's what? You know, I don't know what brought either of them to sobriety. There's a, um, the behind the music of Motley Crue is really good. It's the best one. Um, was it Nikki Six, the one who died once or yes. twice? Yeah. Yep. It, it was bad. His addiction was about as bad as I've ever seen portrayed or ever seen anyone survive to talk about. Um, if if you can't watch the whole thing, I'm sure just his portion of talking about that is readily available online. It would well be worth um, investing a few minutes of time to watch. Um, but I don't know what... Um, I, I assume for Nikki Six, it was a case of I've got to stop. I've got, they're not going to be able to bring me back every time. Um, but 20 years of sobriety is absolutely amazing, especially given um, the culture that they're in and the, the work that they do, where they're you know surrounded by this kind of temptation all the time. So you know, I don't know if they're buds. Maybe they kind of lift each other up. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing to to be sober for a day when you're struggling is a milestone. To be sober for a year is just it's incredible to be sober for 15 or 20 years is especially when when it's you know every day has got to be um you know is today the day today's not going to be the day i'm I'm going to go one more day and that's how you just do it is just put one foot in front of the other no matter what your struggle is and you just keep on going forward if you can find the strength in yourself to do it and and hopefully it's because they have support of others that can that can be there for them. Because I, I, not many people can make it through um, addiction recovery alone. No, and I think that it's, it is commendable and it is noble that in an industry such as rock, you see a lot of talented performers who succumb to those demons and they fight through, but in the end... It, it's it's hard to go about alone, and you got to respect these two. Mm-hmm. Now, how can people interact with you on social media? They can find me at Twitter at Edenza E D E N Z A. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere quality podcast. Stephanie Lane, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Black Tuesday podcast. Always my pleasure. This has been another episode of Life Today Podcast. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. If you are anywhere now, Fox News never worked there.